To BG Mania, a video game music podcast founder right here at Level Down Games. I'm Brian, joined as always by the self-proclaimed king of Long Island, Frank. What up, yo? Let's get the housekeeping out of the way real quick. BG Mania and Level Down Games is entirely self-funded as a passion project. If you'd like to see it continue to grow and, be- and become something even bigger, consider supporting us through one or all of the affiliate links listed in the description of the podcast. It would mean the absolute world to us. I I am so excited for this episode, dude. Like, this has been one that I have been waiting for since the James Bond episode a few months back when uh, when I played a few tracks from some of the Bond games on the Amiga. And we decided, like, I- I've always known that the Amiga had good music, but it's not something that, unless you're regularly listening to Amiga music, it's not something that's just yeah. general knowledge or something that you retain as information. Like, if you're not regularly listening to Amiga music, then... It's it's hard to know that the Amiga has such good music. And now I will say over the past three weeks in preparation for this episode, I've listened to almost the entire catalog of Amiga, Amiga music. Like, you know, there's only so much out there for the Amiga. And, and some of these games, what's funny is some of these games literally only have one track in them. Uh, sure. and, and you'll see that later in the episode, like some of the picks that we have, like two of my picks. And I know for sure one of your pick, the music that we have for that particular game is the music that loops throughout the entire game. So some of oh, these yeah. soundtracks are literally just one track. But that's how it was back then. Like, you know, some of these games didn't have robust soundtracks. I mean, the, the most you're going to see is like three or four tracks total in, in a game. So it's pretty crazy. But yeah, I've been, I've been looking forward to this episode for a while now and after doing the research and after picking the tracks that we're going to play for this episode we actually have Amiga Part 2 Amiga Part 3 in the future as well because um, we both have enough specifically me but uh, I I, I know I know Frank as well Uh, we have enough tracks to probably fill at least two more episodes worth of Amiga music so I say we call this I say we call this episode Frank is an Amiga Frank and his Amigo play Amiga games part one (laughs) no (laughs) we're working title working title guys (laughs) Uh, no but uh yeah, there will be uh, there will be more episodes focused on the Amiga in the future. 
um, because this is something that I definitely want to revisit. The opening track that you heard was the introduction to Formula One Grand Prix, which released on or in January 1992. Uh, that is the only game I have of the eight picks I have where I actually have a month. Everything else I just have a year. So it's kind of hard to to pinpoint exactly when I've some of these games are well. releasing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's there's not going to be a whole lot of specifics here. And in, in terms of composers, I also I pulled up composers for everything that I have. But I also I didn't really dive too much into it because these guys are pretty much just Amiga composers or, you know, like from from back then. So the intro to Formula One Grand Prix, Grand Prix was composed by David Lowe, otherwise known as Uncle Art. So he was the composer on that one. And fantastic. Another fun fact I think we need to drop in there when we are going through a lot of the Amiga music is that because of the introduction to that song, Amiga composers borrowed a lot from popular music. Um, oh, yes. To, to the point, if, you, if you didn't love that song now, you may never love it again. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where some of them are just blatant copies. Uh, obviously, the introduction to Formula One Grand Prix is basically the chain by Fleetwood Mac. Uh, you're going I, And going through the entire catalog of Amiga games and listening to the music, I found so many references to pop culture music, uh, theme songs from TV shows, traditional lullabies um i had there was one that was basically somewhere over the rainbow i actually had that in my playlist for a while but i actually took it out i i, and replaced I had it, it as well I, actually, I had it as well i took it out it, yeah, it's okay. rainbow islands that's exactly what it is yeah i, I told you i was i was doing the yeah. text i took that one out <laughs> yeah I, I, I had that on my list as well for a while and i took that one out because i i only i wanted to only have so many that were you know basic copies of other songs um uh, so so yeah it's very very interesting but before we get into what your first pick is, I do think we should give a little bit of details on the Amiga. Yes. So the, the Amiga was released on July 23rd, 1985, over 33 years ago, almost to the day. Had we done this episode last week, we would have been two days shy. If we would have did this episode on the 25th of July, instead of Radar, we'd have been two days shy of the Amiga's 33rd birthday. We're obviously doing this about a week and about 10 days late. So 10 days ago, the Amiga turned 33 years old. Uh, when it launched on July 23rd, 1985, it retailed for $1,295 plus an extra $300 for the tiny CRT monitor you needed to play it. So it was basically the cost of a, a computer at the time because yeah. that's what it was. Uh, the best-selling model, which was the Amiga 500, was introduced in 1987 and became one of the leading home computers of the late 1980s and early 1990s with four to six million units sold worldwide. It would go until 1996 when the Amiga brand was officially retired and that was basically when the Amiga 12,000 and Amiga 4000T were the current products. So again, the Amiga is very similar to today's modern gaming PCs. But what's crazy about the Amiga is that there were so many different versions that existed throughout oh, yeah. that 11-year span. So we have the Amiga 1000, the Amiga 2000, the Amiga 500, the Amiga 2500, the Amiga 1500, the Amiga CDTV, the Amiga 3000, the Amiga 3000T, the Amiga 3000UX, the Amiga 500 Plus, the Amiga 600, Amiga 4000, Amiga 1200, Amiga 32, uh, I'm sorry, Amiga CD32, and Amiga 4000T. Another fun little fact to drop about the, all those models, those exist across three different companies as well. So three different people have have used the Amiga namesake throughout the years, throughout that 11 year cycle. Uh, it's it's absurd how many different versions <laughs> of the Amiga existed within 11 years. So pretty crazy. We got a lot of fun facts to talk about the Amiga throughout the episode. So we're going to save the rest for later. But uh, I am curious to see what you're going to go with first. 
Well, uh, for my first pick, I'm going to go with something a little little rocking as, as first for par for my course. And we'll talk about the game when we come back. This is going to be the World 4 music for Wings of Death. stage four theme from wings of death uh wings of death was a, a port of an atari st game came out in 1990 on the uh the amiga okay uh, uh it's it's pretty much it, it's a, it's a shoot 'em up uh basic plot it's actually a pretty cool plot a witch puts a spell on you that kind of transforms you into a griffin kind of guy okay and, be, and being that it's a shoot 'em up where you can get um, like powers and stuff, uh, you can take the form of an eagle and a dragon by, by power-ups. It's actually a pretty fun game. One of the few Amiga games that I've actually played. Nice, nice. I, I can't say that I've really... I, I think there's probably a handful of Amiga games that I do have experience with. Nothing that I know of that's going to be on the show today. <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of Amiga games, I've played them on other platforms. Sure, 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 sure. me too. I mean, but nothing actually uh, but, on the Amiga. Like I said, there's probably like five games total I've actually physically played on an Amiga. But uh, this this game was uh, composed by uh, Jochen Hippel. He's a musician from, uh, I'm going to butcher this, Kirchheim Baderland, Southwest Germany. Okay. But, but, he, but he's one of the most uh, prominent uh, composers for the Amiga. Okay. Uh, he's also an uh, Amiga programmer, so he actually did a lot of the ports of uh, Thalian Softwares on oh, games. Oh, okay, okay. Now okay. he, uh, he went under the, the, the handle of Mad Max. Uh, he's done a lot of the big games for the Amiga, uh, including the Turrican series, which is one of the more popular series out there. Which you're not going to hear on today's episode, surprisingly. Neither one of us picked anything from Turrican. I tried to keep it spaced out on my composers. Yeah, I didn't. So I, I, <laughs> there's not too many to pick from. Um, no, 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 there's not. But but, but he, he did uh, compose tens of games. So. Tens, sure. Okay. There's a good chance. There's a good chance that we'll hear from him again, but uh, right. Um, okay. Well, let's drop a little fun fact in about the 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 sound chip and the channels because I know you found something on that. So so I think this is interesting to talk about here. Absolutely. So the uh, the sound chip uh, actually had a, it's called the four bit DAC, which means that uh, it was a four channel 
uh, sound system. So mm-hmm. you were having uh, it was front, back, left, and right sound. Right. So it, for, for for a fully immersive surround sound experience. Right. Uh, which is pretty cool because uh, I'm listening to the soundtrack and I normally listen with one ear in mm-hmm. while I'm just kind of doing things. Only, only, only one ear in? How do you how do you put, only put one ear on your head? Ha 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 ha! Like a potato head. No, so you should, you, should, you, should, you should have one earbud in while yeah. while I'm uh, picking my tracks, and then if it's a good song, I'll pop the other one in. And every song I heard, I was like, "Well, this is kind of crappy." I'm, I'm just like, what is this? Mm-hmm. I pop in the earbud, I listen, and oh my god, I'm blown away by some of these songs. Right? Yeah, you actually like if you're if you're using earbuds or headphones, you have to be using both, otherwise you're not getting the full song. You're not getting the full experience. Yeah, but this definitely added a, a really rich, a richness to these games. A lot of these have better music than their contemporaries. Yeah, yeah. Because because, because they're they're literally using all the all the available um, power that these sound chips have, and it's 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 amazing. I can only imagine if NES had a four channel. Uh, yeah. No, the, the the Amiga literally blows me away with the the capabilities that it had for late '80s, early '90s in terms of you know not not just visuals and, and being innovative, but the sound chip and the music. Literally, like like you said, the contemporaries today, like you can find some Amiga music that's better than stuff you can hear in modern games today. You can. Yeah. It's awesome. I love it so much. That's why I really like the Amiga. And why I want to focus more on the Amiga here on the show because I want to do more episodes on it because I think they're great and I mean you're definitely going to hear more Amiga in themed episodes more Amiga in radio hours and like I said specifically um, more episodes just dedicated strictly to the Amiga because I, I found a lot of great stuff out there that that's definitely worth sharing so uh, really really cool okay let's move in to my next pick on today's episode this is going to be a, from a game called Battle Squadron this is the high score theme
And that was the high score theme from Battle Squadron, which released in 1989, and it was composed by Ron Claren. Now, it was funny when I was kind of looking into Battle Squadron as as a game to pick from. Um, great music all around in that game. Yes. But it's funny because people were talking about that specific track in general, high score on forums and saying how when they first played the game, they skipped over that song for the most part because the first 50 seconds or so are are fairly mundane and you know very slow, kind of boring. But dude, as soon as that synth really kicks in around the 50 second mark and it just goes off, it becomes almost like a love song or a ballad, like a 1980s hair metal ballad almost, like in, in terms of sound. And I get little chills and goosebumps listening to that. Like I've listened to that track. There's another one I have later that I get chills and goosebumps with as well. But uh, that one is one of the two that I have on on my personal playlist that I actually gives me goosebumps. And that's awesome. I get that a lot. We talk about that a lot in music, but I get that a lot. So I freaking love that track. So much going on there. So many different sounds you're hearing. So many just dude, that track is so good. Like I, I absolutely fell in love with that when I heard it. I was like, I have to play this. So it's just in freaking sane, dude. It's insane. But earlier I talked about all of the different versions that existed on the Amiga and how they kind of existed across different companies. So you might be wondering, well, who actually created the Amiga? There was a bitter, a bitter rivalry between Amiga and Atari ST owners. But, oh, not, yeah. but not many of them realized that the Amiga was actually created by ex Atari employees. Jay Miner and Larry Kaplan formed the development company Hytoro, which eventually became Amiga Incorporated in 1982. And if you're recognizing Larry Kaplan's name from somewhere else, you will know that he also is the co-founder of Activision. So the co-founder of Activision is the same gentleman that actually founded the Amiga Incorporated back in 1982, which was responsible for the Amiga line of products. So pretty, pretty freaking crazy. And specifically talking on that kind of rivalry between the Amiga and the Atari ST, that almost didn't happen. So the Amiga versus Atari war could have ended before it even started. Back in 1984, Atari had lined up a deal to buy Amiga Corporation and license its technology to make Atari computers. Uh, Days before the deal was done, Commodore swooped in and bought Amiga, offering four times as much money. Annoyed, Atari pressed on and created its own computer, the Atari ST, beginning the 16-bit home computer war. So that's very much like the PlayStation versus Nintendo thing where, you know, Nintendo was going to use the the CD adapter for its, um, uh, was it the SNES? Yeah. And then because they didn't, Sony started making the PlayStation 1 to compete with the N64. So so kind of funny how, as we all know, history does repeat itself time and time again. Uh, It's just interesting when it actually, when you see it take place. Uh, by the way, all the facts that I that I pulled for the Amiga, I do have to give credit. Uh, I found them, funny enough, from Red Bull. <laughs> all right. Yeah, Red Bull, surprisingly enough, they had a, uh, a ton of facts on the Amiga. I don't know why, but they had a ton of facts and stuff for the Amiga. So I, I pulled a lot of facts from them to, uh, to take us through this episode. So it's going to be a fun one. They Red do Bull. make a tasty beverage. It's my favorite energy drink in terms of taste. It's absolutely insane how good that is. All right, so I get to pick. Me. Ooh, let's take you to a, another little fun uh, shoot-em-up game, because uh, that's what the, uh, <laughs> the Amiga has a ton of. Yes, they do. A game that's been remade a few times, uh, but let's take it back to the original. This is Super Stardust title theme.
And that was the title theme from Super Stardust. Uh, game came out in 1994. Uh, it was developed by Bloodhouse, and uh, the composer of this game was hard to find. But I actually, look at the actual uh, the opening screen says music by R.I.B. Okay. Who that is? Who that is? I was unable to find. I searched high and low. Okay. I have no idea. The CD32 version of this was composed by Nicholas Rehnquist and Nico Nyman. But I couldn't tell you who did the. I couldn't yeah. tell you who did the actual. Weird. Okay. But uh, yeah, sounds it's, 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 like it's, dude's like we just went to a rave. Exactly. It's a, uh, <laughs> that's pretty much a lot of people say it's one of the best Amiga games of all time because of the music. Otherwise, it's pretty much just a star, uh, an Asteroids clone. Okay. Uh, but like I said, this game's been remade. There's Super Stardust HD on the PS3 and Vita, uh, and PS3 and PSP. There's a version that came out on the Vita, I think 2014. Yeah, okay. good stuff. Good stuff. Fun game. I enjoys it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely like the track. Uh, like I said, I definitely like the whole rave feeling that I had going to it. Very, very, very fun track. Very upbeat track. I really like it a lot. Very, it's a very colorful game. So the, the rave aspect definitely kind of plays to it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, OK, let's talk a little bit about the controller on the Amiga. So before it made computers, Amiga created peripherals and controllers for Atari consoles. Its oddest creation was the joy board, which was a flat board players stood and leaned on to control games instead of a joystick. If that sounds familiar to you. It should. It's very much what inspired the Wii balance board. Yeah. So pretty, pretty cool there. How uh, Amiga had a controller that was basically like a, a Wii balance board before Nintendo decided to do that themselves on the Wii. So I actually thought that little fact was kind of fun to drop into. Okay. My next track on today's episode doesn't have an official name because it's the only music. Again, I told you we're gonna have a few of these. It's the only music that plays throughout this game. So this is basically the music you're going to hear when you fire up Crystal Hammer. And that was the music from Crystal Hammer, which was released in 1988, composed by a gentleman by the name of Karsten Obarski. What a name. Yeah, Karsten Obarski. Get it, Karsten. Uh, yep, 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 yep. What another fantastic piece of music, though, dude. Like, just, just 
again, I'm just blown away every single time I hear music from the Amiga, and this this one is no different. Um, I just think it's so cool, like, how some of these games literally just have one track when, like, okay, nowadays if a game just had one track in it, I probably would be sorely disappointed and probably bored of hearing that track by the time that I would finish the game. Like, if you had a, you know, a JRPG that had just one track just constantly on loop, I'd probably never play the game. But... Back then, like on the Amiga, on the NES, on the Atari, these games were so short that a one track game isn't I don't think I would have been annoyed then. Like if I would have been in my 20s or 30s playing these games on the Amiga, the Atari, ST, whatever, I don't think I would have been annoyed with a game that just had one track because, again, these games were meant to be finished and played in one sitting. Like that's why these games are sometimes less than an hour long. And yeah. like they're they're just meant to be things you jump in, jump out, and have fun with. So I can see that why games only had one track. It's, it makes sense to me. A lot of these games, um, the the whole point of them was to get the high score. Exactly, like the arcades. So like yeah, these these, exactly. these are very much arcade ports for the most part. So. Um, yeah, like I said, I don't have a single game on my list that I've played in the past, so I really can't speak too much on on, on gameplay or anything like that. But what I can do is drop more facts. Uh, let's talk about the Amiga and the B-52s. Obviously, we know who the B-52s are. Someone may have the guy who talks like this. <laughs> exactly. Uh, someone at Amiga was a huge fan of of the American New Wave band, the B-52s, because each computer's motherboard had the name of a B-52 song inscribed on it. The Atari A-500 was Rock Lobster. The Atari 600 was June Bug. The 1200 was Channel Z. And the 590 was Party Mix. This theme ended with the Amiga CD32's motherboard, which instead read Spellbound, which was a song by Susie and the Banshees. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that. That's, that's pretty neat. Yeah. So even Nerds. even the even the motherboard um, had had inspirations from pop culture and Susie and the mother and Susie and the Banshees. Might I add, very cult classic pick there from from someone at the Amiga to name their uh, the motherboard after Spellbound because the, 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 that was a very underground like goth yeah. band from back back then. And uh, my, my buddy Troy is actually a huge fan of Susie and the Banshees. So, uh, shout out to him and uh, shout out to them, Susie and the Banshees. So, pretty cool. Pick up yourselves. Mm-hmm. For my next pick, I've been thinking about how I'm going to word this here. It's from a game based on a book, but the song is from a movie that's not the movie that this game is based on. It's very weird, and I'll explain it in much more detail after you listen. This is the title music for Lord of the Rings.
and that was the title music from Lord of the Rings. Uh, this was actually called J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, the video game. Right. Uh, came out in 1990. It was uh, released by Silicon and Synapse, who later on went to become a little company called Blizzard. Yeah. Yeah, this was, this was one of their first things that they worked on. So, pretty but, cool. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier... Uh, a song from a game based on a book that became a movie, but the theme is not from this movie. This is a this is the theme from Flesh and Blood, uh, a movie starring Rucker Hauer and Jennifer Jason Leigh. Uh, which, I've not, composed, which I've not seen. It's a great '80s movie. I definitely recommend watching it. Okay. Uh, that that composer is uh, Basil Polidaris. The Lord of the Rings title music was credited to Charles Deenan. I guess maybe he's the one who instrumented it for the actual <laughs> system because uh, not only is the song exactly the same. Yeah, it's pretty uh, much one to one. The exactly the, the actual track itself uh, that we heard here was about two minutes, 30 seconds, mm-hmm. two minutes, 29 seconds for the actual tra- for, for the uh, the movie's track. So, yeah, that's pretty much one to one. But you see that you see that a lot uh, when it comes to the media games where they either flat out steal <laughs> sure or uh they take a heavy heavy inspiration from mm-hmm. another game uh later on we're gonna have a song for me that actually is the exact opposite and i definitely want to talk about that when we get to it but uh okay neat keep that in the back keep that in the back of your mind the exact opposite neat okay okay uh before we move into my next track let's drop another little fun fact in did you know that microsoft actually worked for amiga at one point So Amiga Basic was an early programming language which was installed as part of an early Amiga operating system. It was written by a little company known as Microsoft years before they started making their own Windows operating system. So before Microsoft actually made Windows, they actually made Amiga Basic, which was a early operating system for the Amiga. So yeah, when you're when you're actually playing the Amiga, you know, home PCs, you are basically still playing a Windows Microsoft system. So that's kind of neat. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of funny how, again, it all ties back. And now Microsoft is obviously the the leading go to when it comes to operating systems for PCs. Obviously, you have Apple with with Mac, but still Windows PCs are still more popular than Macs at this time. So suck it, Linux. <laughs> Linux is still popular, too, for homebrew and uh, all that kind of stuff. Linux is very customizable. So I see a lot of people using Linux platforms for for different things. Uh, but OK, let's move in to my fourth pick here. And again, this is another game that has just one track. So we're going to go from potentially a, a game about an epic quest from J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings to another game that's potentially about an epic quest. But I don't know because I've not played it, but I just based on the name of the game. So this is the music from Hero Quest.
And that was the music from Hero Quest, released in 1991 and composed by Barry Leach. Uh, L E I T C H. Yeah, Barry, Barry Leach, uh, a name that you will see often when, uh, when looking at Amiga music. I saw his name on a ton of different games. So he, he composed a lot of different games for that. Uh, and again, no clue what Hero Quest is about. That could be about an epic adventure. Well, I have no idea. I'm a, well, you know what? You're kind of right. Okay. So what is Hero Quest? Hero Quest no is, a, is a board game that is very much kind of like a D&D game, but it, there's, it's dice rolling and there's cards. Okay. And the, and the purpose of it is an actual quest to like get items and fight your way through a dungeon. Uh, and the game was actually taken from a board game made into a video game version. So uh, Sierra Online actually put this game out uh, because there's a bit of a kerfuffle between uh, the the, board, the the video game property and the actual property. Future titles were called Quest for Glory. Okay. That's why you, you actually may have heard of uh, Quest for Glory on NES. Yeah, I definitely have. So. So, but it's it's it, but essentially the same thing. It's you. you you're, I've also heard of Quest sixty four. Yes, you have, <laughs> but it's, it's your typical barbarian, dwarf, elf, wizard kind of deal, sure. just like uh, every other game. Uh, just walking your way through a dungeon. But yeah. yeah, it's it's okay. It's pretty cool. So yeah, nice, good, nice, good pick. And the the music definitely has that feel to it. Like you know, like you're going on a on an epic adventure. Uh, I, I definitely can can get that from from the track that that's playing there. So pretty neat. I like that. And again, for a game that only has one track, at least the track is stellar. So. I really don't think we're going to play a bad track on today's episode. I don't. Not at all. Yeah. Now, I mentioned before the exact opposite of what I mentioned, that here's a song that is 100% original to the Amiga, and I have a fun little story for it when we come back. This is the intro to Agony. the theme that was the intro to agony a game that came out in uh, 1992 now is that better than 2018's agony it's not a 2018 song but it's 
tw- Agony released uh, about two months ago, and it's a terrible, shitty game. Oh, the game that uh, yeah. <laughs> I told you not to buy. <laughs> told me not to buy. Told me not to open. Told me lots of things they were here to listen to. <laughs> but I didn't. And I'm sad. <laughs> but yes. Uh, so yeah, this game came out. Uh, so I know this came out. Um, the, theme, the game's theme is actually uh, an original piano composition by Tim Wright. Uh, which is kind of weird for an action game, but it was pretty cool. Now... The uh, title song was actually adapted without giving any credit to, just flat out lifted by uh, popular band uh, Dimo Borgir. Is that how you say that name? That's how I say it. Okay. I have no idea how to actually pronounce that name, but uh, I was always curious how to actually say that. Well, off their Stormblast album, uh, they had a song called uh, Sorgan's Camera. Okay. And it's a flat out cover, but they never got permission. Now, what's cool about this is... The, uh, the title song is slightly different than what Tim Wright actually submitted to the Arts and Magic, the people who did, uh, put the music into the game. Um, the, 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 the guy, uh, the, the well, he wanted to improve the song, so he requested permission to change it, and he actually messed around with some of the notes, and they were transposed. And these mistakes, like in, in the actual music, that should sound like it's a little, a little off, actually do appear in Sargon's camera. So it okay. is a flat-out pure cover. Uh, but the song was removed from the future pressings of Stormblast because, again, never got permission. Timmy, di- Timmy didn't get his cut, so... Uh, so they made him remove cool. it. They made him remove it. But it's pretty cool. Uh, you can listen to them back, like, you know, a lot of people, a lot of websites actually put it where you can listen to both versions. Mm-hmm. Pretty much one-to-one as well. I never really got into Demi Bourgère, or however you would say that name. I, they're, they're one of the bands that, that just really I never have appealed to me. Um, I'm not a huge fan of black metal, so... Well, what's, what's your favorite black metal group? Cradle of Filth. Oh. Okay, that's I, I respect that. Mine's okay. Living Color. Oh my god. Brutes! <laughs> that's, a, that's a classic Ozzy Osbourne joke. Thank you, thank you. Jesus. I'll be here all day. Okay. No, Demi Berger, um, it's... It, I, I, I don't believe that they are as satanic as some people think they are. No. But um, just their music in general has never really appealed to me. Uh, black metal, it, which obviously uh, I'm, I'm, I'm talking like what people would some people consider satanic metal. Yes. Uh, is what black metal is, not in living color. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, I just so most of those bands are hard for me to get into just based off of the the lyrics that they write and, and some of like just the musical sounds that they do. Uh, it, it's almost a lot of it just sounds like noise to me. But Cradle of Filth is really one of the only black metal bands that have really, I think, struck a chord with me that I could actually really appreciate them. And I actually think they're a, a fantastic band. Uh, Danny Filth, I think, is a great both singer and screamer and grunter and whatever freaking noises he makes in terms of all that kind of stuff. It's just, um, but yeah, they, they've, they've, Jimmy Berger is something I've tried listening to them multiple times, never been able to get into them. So it's hard to get into black metal. It really is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's, like I said, there's not too many bands that I actually like from that genre. Um, so cradle of filth is definitely unique in that aspect. We're going to go ahead. We're actually going to go into something that is kind of more rock slash metal. This is the menu theme from Supercars 2.
And that was the menu theme from Supercars 2, released in 1990, composed again, back to back, Barry Leach. But this time, Barry had help from a gentleman known as Ian Howe. So Barry Leach and Ian Howe composed the menu theme for Supercars 2. Uh, great little freaking rocking tune there. I really like the way that one slows down every now and then, but then it just kind of builds back up into into the quicker speed. I think that's fantastic. Uh, a great theme. I really enjoy this. And obviously that menu theme. So you're going to hear that a lot when you play Supercars 2 because you probably spend some time in menus, I'm sure. I don't know. Again, haven't played it. <laughs> Once or twice. Once or twice, you know, you're going to be there every now and then. Um. Here's a fun little fact, though, I found out about the Amiga. Did you know that the first ever malware was on an Amiga platform. Really? So, yeah, the Swiss Cracking Association created a virus in 1987 that, due to mass piracy among Amiga users, eventually spread to around 40% of all Amiga owners. All it did was display a message every 15th time you booted the Amiga up. Didn't do anything bad. It just displayed a message every 15th time you booted up the platform that simply said, something wonderful has happened. Your Amiga is alive. And even better, some of your discs are infected by a virus. Another masterpiece of the mega mighty SCA, again, Swiss Cracking Association. So it didn't actually do anything. It didn't delete any data. It didn't render your platform on, you know, inoperable. It just every 15th time you booted it up, you had a little stupid message that, that popped up. But yeah, first ever malware ever was on an Amiga platform. You bastards. <laughs> and now there's malware every freaking day that we have to deal with. Oh, yeah. But at least not on like PS4. I mean, you, you know, like PS4, Switch, Xbox One, you don't really have to worry about malware on that. But like Amiga, which was a a retro style version of a modern gaming PC, gaming PCs obviously day to day are unless you're protected by an antivirus, you could potentially get something bad. So something we deal with very, very currently at the moment. So here's a lesson, guys. Don't pirate, okay? Behave yeah, go, hey, go back and listen to our uh, Max Level podcast from this past Monday where we did a whole thing about piracy on the, in the main discussion about because Nintendo recently just shut down some um, emulator websites. So go check that out. That's a good story. I feel like that story would never end. Oh, okay. Ha, 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 ha. This is a song that doesn't end. So, uh, yes, a nice it fun. goes on and on and on, my friend. Some people started saying that knowing what it was, and they'll continue singing it forever, just because this is the never-ending story two's theme from the Amiga.
And that was the never-ending story. Uh, uh, Is that actually the lyrics? Yes. Okay. The original song uh, was composed by Joe Milner for the movie, which is a good movie. It's a German movie. Um, in fact, all the American stories in German. In fact, the uh, the person who did the video game himself, he was the designer uh, of the game and the musician. His name is Michael Schogel. T-S-C-H-O with umlaut G-L. Okay. Um, it seems very much like a, uh, a puzzle-ish kind of side-scrolly adventure. Doesn't seem very fun. Okay. I just happened to like the movie. So I had to pick something from the movie. Uh, eventually, we're going to do an episode here where we do uh, nothing but movie games. Yeah, that is a plan. I don't know when we're going to do that. Not this year, but that is definitely on the agenda at some point in the future. In fact, you had mentioned it to me. That's why I actually put this one in there. You like because you're theory rattling with a bunch of ideas to me. I was like, mm-hmm. OK, let's do a movie game uh, for the hell of it. Yeah, no, I definitely uh, I definitely have been saving some tracks on a playlist on YouTube that are, are that are from movie games. So uh, another one. Pretty close to one to one there. Obviously, uh, limited by the fact that it's uh, Amiga mm-hmm. versus a full orchestration, but still pretty good. Um, good movie, not as good as the original. Uh, I kind of want to play the game though. Okay. It's it, it's out of ten, it's ranked a, a five point seven. Seems to be the uh, the average. So a little so, little above average. Not much above, above average, average, a little above average. But I'm willing to give it a shot. I mean, uh, I love the series. Mm-hmm. And it's a uh, it's a timeless classic that never yeah. ends. Nice. Uh, did you know that the Amiga created disco? Really? No, not as, a, not, not as a musical genre, because disco <laughs> existed before the Amiga. But, That's why I said really. <laughs> <laughs> being a home computer, the Amiga was capable of all sorts of tasks other than playing games, including making gold selling albums. Calvin Harris's 2007 debut album, I Created Disco, which included the hit Acceptable in the 80s, was made entirely in his home studio using a 15-year-old Amiga 1200. What? Yep. That's pretty cool. So he made that entire album on an Amiga 1200 in 2007, which was titled I Created Disco. So technically the Amiga created disco. (laughs) Actually, now that you mention it, there is a pretty big scene of people out there still making music on the Amiga. Yes, because it's uh, their sound chip is so freaking phenomenal. I was out there you know, trying to find tracks here, and a lot of the songs I'm finding were popular songs in the past few years. I'm like, that's impossible. Right. Until I realized what was actually being done is uh, chip tuners. Mm-hmm. So it's yep. cool stuff. Great stuff. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Let's move in to my next pick on today's episode. We're already halfway done. We're clo- we're we're coming in on the final stretch here. We're already we're already over half both of us. So, get a little tired, obviously. Episode's drag. Well, it's not dragging on, but it's, you know, we're we're getting into the later portions of the episode. Let's go ahead and take a listen to Funky Lullaby from Sleepwalker.
that was Funky Lullaby from Sleepwalker, which released in 1993, composed by James Veal and Dave Newman. Again, a little, you know, slower, a little more melodic. Obviously, it's a funky lullaby. You know, we're talking, we're talking, trying to go to sleep here, but we don't want you to fall asleep on us. We still have five tracks left, I think. Yeah, we still have five tracks left. We got plenty of episode left. We don't want you falling asleep. So it's time to wake back up. Time to wake up. Let's let's wake wow. up. Let's wake I, up. I think I just I, I just crap my pants, Brian. <laughs> let's wake up with a little fun fact here. Do you know who Game Freak is? I sure hope you do. Well, what? Oh my no god. Idea. Okay. Some fan you are. Amigas were used to help the creation of games on other formats. For example, Japanese Studio Game Freak. Oh, Pokemon! Compo- no shit. <laughs> Japanese Game Studio Freak. Game Freak composed the music for Pokemon Gold and Pokemon Silver on the Amiga before converting it to a format understood by the Game Boy Color. Wow. Yep. So they composed cool. the, they composed Pokemon Gold and Silver's music on the Amiga before converting it to something that could be understood by the Game Boy Color. That's so. pre- that's freaking awesome. The fact that you didn't know who Game Freak was, I, I think I thought, that I, honestly, I think that, that when, when you asked me who Game Freak was, I was thinking of a single person. Well, uh, when you started saying that, I was like, oh, the company. Yeah, I think I think that just means that all your Pokemon talk has all been uh, po- you just a big poser. You don't actually a fan of Pokemon. Yeah, and that's it. Well, I spend tens of thousands of Poke dollars. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. So. I want to play something that's really awesome here. A 100% original tune for, uh, I think it's the only song I found on the soundtrack. This is for Ultima 5 Warriors of Destiny, the theme song. And that was won by Metallica. I mean, uh, the uh, Ultima 5 <laughs> Warriors of Destiny theme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, composed by Kenneth Arnold. Yeah. Yeah. But there is a fun fact about this, dude. I hope I hope you're going to talk about it here. Yeah, so uh, Injustice for All, 
uh, re- the album released August 25th, 1988. August 25th, 1988. When did Ultima 5 come out on the Amiga? On the Amiga, October 5th, 1988. Right. So now, that's only on. that's only a month and a week. Now, the game originally came out on the Apple II. Right. March of 1988. So now you're thinking, oh my God, they stole. But no. And just no. for all began recording January of 1988. Well, not only that, but Ultima 5, this is the only version of Ultima 5 that features a song. There you go. Even better. See, Brian, Brian, Brian comes backing up my facts. Yeah. Well, the, well, I'm correcting your facts because the, the version on the Apple 2 didn't have the song in it. Well, that's because we'll bet, bet on them because it's an awesome song. <laughs> I can't remember anything. You're not going to finish yeah. it? Can't tell if this is this true, is true. Oh, dream. Oh, dream. Deep down inside, Deep I, feel inside I feel the scream. This terrible silence stops me. <laughs> Hold now my breath as I wish will... for death. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't know so that. Yeah, that no, you gotta. Now that the war is through with me, there's more than before. You know, I'm there's... not singing the whole song, okay? Oh, I usually, we when we sing, usually, when we sing a song on this channel, it is by Coolio, the official rapper of Level Down Games. Okay. 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 And we'll um, join him on this fantastic voyage. No. Uh, but but but, I, but what I'm curious about, though, obviously, this is the only version of Ultima Five that features this track. Now, is it is it probably inspired by one by Metallica? 100. percent Yes, I, I do believe that it is. But I, it, it, it weird, is. Though. But it is weird to think. I don't think it's. I mean, I guess back then it probably is possible. Nowadays, it really isn't possible to turn something around in a month's time. You have to have time for programming, editing, recording. Like, it, it wouldn't be possible to do that in a month in today's age. But I guess back then, I guess it might be possible. But it's still really weird how. I, I don't think. I think it's too big of a coincidence. But it's just. It almost seems it's, like too short of a turnaround time. It's odd. I mean, because like I said, this was recorded from January 28th to May 1st in 1988. Mm-hmm. So that's the recording phase. The album was released in August 1988. I think that's too short of a turnaround time as well. The actual song one's single was that's what I was. Gonna, that's what I was just looking up. So that that wasn't even that wasn't even the first single on that album. So no, it wasn't the first, the first single came out in 89 for that one. Right. So if it was inspired, which it had to be inspired. I'm assuming they must have heard a live performance of this. Potentially, yeah. I mean, uh, that or it's one hell of a coincidence. Which we have seen coincidences like that in the past. I mean, there has been stuff like that in the past. I mean, it could happen. Uh, it's very simplistic. Uh, boom, 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 boom. But still, it's very, it's weird. Yeah, it just, I don't know, dude. The, the coincidence seems like it would almost be too too high because even like there's there's faster moments in that too that, that almost feel like they're right from from Metallica's one as well. So I don't know. I, I do think this is, has to be inspired by it. It's just crazy. The quick turnaround time from the album releasing on August 25th. And then somebody hearing that that was working on this, like, oh my God, we got to turn this into a song for Ultima five on the Amiga. And then literally, because you would think they, they probably would have like what, two or three weeks to do this. So get it done, yeah. get it into the game, get it produced, release it on October 5th. I don't know, dude. I don't know. It's crazy how quick that was. So really, really weird, really weird. Ken Arnold, we want the story. But yeah, dude, I would, I would, I am, I, I'm desperate to find out more on this. Like, this is something I definitely would like to find out more. Okay, let's go ahead and move into my next pick, my penultimate pick on this episode. This is the main theme from a game known as Hybris.
that was the main theme from Hybris, released in 1988, composed by Paul Vandervolk. So, great little freaking funky tune there, dude. I really like that a lot. I love songs like that in general. Mm-hmm. Me too. Me too. I can't even explain what the, the sound is, but it's like very cosmic, like that, that kind of sound. Right, right. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay, let's drop a few more facts in real quick before we move wow, on to your next Brian pick. there are Brian Brainbusters all over this episode. I'm loving it. There are, there are, there are. Like I said, I found the <laughs> shout out to Red Bull, man, because they uh, they had a ton of Amiga facts that I just, I just yanked. They gave us wings. Not a sponsor yet. They gave us wings and they gave us Amiga facts. So the Amiga may be long dead, but its final operating system, the Amiga OS 4, continues to be used and developed for by diehards. Earlier this year, a developer announced he was working on AmiCraft, which is an Amiga version of Minecraft. So eventually there will be a Minecraft game on the Amiga OS 4. Now that's all obviously cool. it's not going to be an official Amiga title, but it will be running on the operating system that the Amiga last used. So uh, that's actually pretty, pretty neat. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. Keeping the gaming alive. Keeping it alive for sure. All right. I'm going to take you back to the greatest Wild West game of all time. Is this true? No, not the greatest game of all time. That's probably Red Dead Redemption. Uh, (laughs) That's what I was going to (laughs) say. The greatest Wild West game on the Amiga. There you go. The only Wild West game on the Amiga. This is Wild West World title screen. And that is the theme song to Wild West World. Uh, game came out in 1990. Um, it's another German game that was just translated to English. Uh, pretty much the entire game was made by Mr. Warner Cray, but the music itself was by Hans Hermann Frank. Mr. Uh, Frank. He only did, he did a, about a dozen games for the Amiga. He's a better Frank than you. No, he's not. I'm the greatest Frank there ever was. Frank and Weenie. It's a good movie, actually. It's not a bad uh, movie. <laughs> Jessica has a TV shirt from it. A, a TV shirt. That makes no sense. <laughs> I meant to say T-shirt, not TV shirt. 
But the concept of this game is pretty lame. Um, it's taking over the everyday runnings of a cowboy town. Cool runnings? Yes. Jamaica! Um, so yeah, you're, you're just you're running this little cowboy town. Um, kind of like half sim, half... I was going to say, is it a sim game? Pretty much. Okay. Uh, and the, the whole point is become the most respected citizen in the land. Okay. So you're not like, you're not like the mayor or like the, like God, so to speak. You're just a citizen. No. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so you just take over, you can take over a farm and start expanding and, you know, hiring, you know, cattlemen and ranchers and. Now, have you played this or no? Absolutely not. Okay. Not my kind of game. I was curious if you actually like had to deal with like, or could partake in maybe like bank robberies or shootouts or duels and that kind of like, you know, typical things that you would think like from Wild West. I wonder if that's possible I, in this I, game. I, th I think that's part of it because they do show a lot of that, like in the, like the screenshots and pictures. Okay. So. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. No, it sounds, I, I mean, it sounds like something I would have liked to check out back in the day. Um, and now I think there's probably games that do stuff like that better. So, but I, I think this was an interesting concept for an Amiga game. That's actually really cool. I like that a lot. All right, and Brian, I, you got one last track. I got one last but track. Before you do that, do you have any fun facts for us? Uh, sure, I still have quite a few left. I just, I'm, I'm, pick, I'm picking and choosing. Um, so, want proof of the Amiga's durability? You only need to look back to, and now this article said, this, this fact says last month. I have no idea when this was published. You only need to look back to a previous time to find people still using it in June 2015. It was reported that all 19 public schools in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area still use an Amiga 2000 to control their air conditioning units to this day. Re <laughs> replacing it all would cost them upwards of $2 million, so they're happy to stick with, stick with using the Omega 2000 to power their air conditioning units nearly 30 years later, and surprisingly, it never goes down and is still reliable. That is freaking awesome. Yeah. So there is one public school left. Uh, well, not one. There's 19 public schools left because all the public schools in Grand Rapids, Michigan, use an Amiga 2000 to control their air conditioning units. Um, oh, I want an Amiga 2000 right now. Well, it's just so it's, just, it's crazy to think that, like, obviously, we know the Amiga for the games and specifically the music. But there were so many other things you could do with the Amiga that they, they like I said, they basically were just PCs. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Dude. They were just PCs. Let's just get out of the way. Amiga is a PC. It was just a brand of a PC before, you know, before you could just put together your own PC and run it on a Windows or, you know, before Apple started. Well, Apple was already putting out Apple at the time as well, but still. Um, Amiga is just, dude, it's literally just a PC. Like, it, it, that's all. That's the only way you can describe it. It's just a PC. That's it. So. I, you know, I just imagine, you know, like the way, the way Fallout is with their terminals or these are all like little Amiga ter terminals now. Mm -hmm. in the mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, now I'm going to drop one more fact that's <laughs> going to lead into my last selection for today. So the Amiga developer Sensible Software was best known for legendary football game Sensible Soccer and the war game Cannon Fodder. In Christmas 19 1993, they combined the two to make a special game for Amiga Power called Cannon Soccer, which was basically cannon fodder that took on a more football pitch. My last pick on today's episode actually comes from their war game, which was cannon fodder, the track recruitment music.
That was the recruitment music from Cannon Fodder, released in 1993, composed by John Hare and Richard Joseph. The only... Cannon Fodder was eventually ported to, like, the SNES, the Mega Drive, and the Atari Jaguar, but uh, Alistair Brimble composed it on those platforms. Uh, John Hare and Richard Joseph only did the Amiga version, and I do say the Amiga has the best version of that, just because of the sound chip. I mean, obviously, the Amiga's, we know, it's amazing. Um, But that's emotional, dude. That track is really emotional, and I wanted to obviously try to find something from the Amiga catalog that was emotional. And obviously, you know, I love getting emotional music into these episodes. That's what I live for. I mean, emotional music, it's my favorite. Uh, I like slower stuff. I like things that make me get goosebumps or actually feel things. And out of everything I listened to, this was the most emotional track to me, not only because of the music being played there, very somber, very sorrowful, kind of sad sound to it. But the name of the game is Cannon Fodder. And I looked into the game more, and obviously this is a war game. Um... The it, it's a military themed action game with strategy and shoot 'em up elements. Obviously, you already talked earlier in the episode how the Amiga has a lot of shoot 'em up elements in, in their games. But you're controlling this squad of up to five soldiers equipped with things like machine guns, which obviously are used to kill the enemy infantry with a single round. But the player troops are meant to be extremely fragile. And that got me thinking the name of the game is Cannon Fodder. So these troops are basically just being labeled as cannon fodder sent to die. And it got me really thinking about like the true meaning of war and how war actually is in today's society or, or even like, you know, in the past, if we go back to like World War One, World War Two, Vietnam War, that kind of stuff. And just how fragile life actually is. And then like these troops, like just being like, it, it's such a crappy thing, like obviously cannon fodder, but my god like when, when i started thinking about that as a concept that really hit me i was like wow okay they, and then then thinking about that concept while listening to such a a somber sorrowful piece of music like the recruitment music which i like that i don't say i don't want to say i like but i think it's funny i don't even want to say i think it's funny ironic that it's used as the recruitment music because again a very sorrowful very somber these troops being sent to their death as cannon fodder. And you're hearing this music while you're standing in line waiting to be recruited. It's pretty crazy, dude. You would pick one of the most controversial Amiga games of all time to it, pull music from. It 1000% is one of the most controversial. But at the same time, while it's, it's, it's riddled with controversy, uh, if you look at the actual critical scores that like magazines back in the day gave it, Oh, it's incredibly high. <laughs> high nines, dude. Like upwards of 94, 95. Like th- this game was highly, highly rated uh, among critics. But a lot of like media outlets, uh, like the Daily Star, um, they, they, they really hit it hard because of things that it decided to showcase in the game, which back then wasn't really done in the video game medium before. So I mean. You know, for a war game, it's been said this game is incredibly anti-war. No, it one thousand percent is, yeah. And I and I and I think that that's why the name of the game being cannon fodder. I think that it's meant to be done as what's the right word? Like it's meant to be done in 
it's a, it's a juxtaposition. That's the word I was trying to think of. Yeah, it's basically like a, a big juxtaposition because, you know, a lot of anti-war sentiments is that these troops are just being sent out to die as cannon fodder, so to speak. So, yeah, no, I don't know. Just But this particular track really hit home to me and, and made me think, wow, okay. Like, so the Amiga does have the ability to bring out emotion through music, and that's kind of what I wanted to find. So, yep, that's my last wow. pick. How am I going to follow that? Well, know. with the with the Street Fighter knockoff, how about that? <laughs> okay. Uh, so I, I chose background music too from Shadow Fighter, which was the biggest fighting game. Background music. Wait a second. Background music. Background music. BGM. What? BG Mania. What? What? <laughs> it's almost like we got our name from background music. There you go. <laughs> Which is a thousand percent true. <laughs> oh, I'm so uh, the song is composed by Patrick Phelan, mm-hmm. and the game itself um, was actually rivaling Mortal Kombat at the time. Okay, when did this release? Ninety two. Ninety four. Okay, one so Mortal, last, Kombat, Mortal, Mortal, Mortal Kombat would have already been released um, by this point. So okay. Yes. Um, now, just like Mortal Kombat or, or Street Fighter, which is this game was pretty much more of a Street Fighter clone than anything else. Sure. Uh, all, all the characters had special moves uh, to rival the bloody like violence in Mortal Kombat. There was a blood mode, blood oh, okay. mode which, which really did nothing. It just made the floor like red. <laughs> okay, made it look like blood. Uh, a cool thing about this game was it ran at uh, 25 frames per second, but there was a cheat code to let it run at 50 frames per second. Okay. So it looked so, so it was a, so it was a good looking game. Um, just unfortunately, you know, it was it was the back end of Amiga, so it never really had a chance. But uh, it's pretty cool. The, the actual Shadow Fighter mm-hmm. is uh, like the, the last fighter you fight in the game. Looks very much like Sagat. Yeah, I, lo- I looked at that when I was actually looking at the uh, the name of the game and he sent it to me. He really does. He really does. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's actually it's, it's a pretty cool game. I've actually this is one of the few ones I played a few of bigger games. This is one of the ones I've actually played. Nice. Very, um, very cool. Is it good? Do you like it? It's a good game. Okay. Um, there were uh, there's a decent roster too, 17 characters. So. Oh, not bad, not bad. Neat. Um, and it's a pretty good jam as well. So uh, the, yeah. the whole soundtrack is pretty good. But I, this is this is my favorite amongst the ones that I picked. Is there how many? Do you know how many tracks are in the soundtrack? Is I'm I'm assuming it can't be more than like five or six. That's why. Like, it was it, it was it was about five or six. Yeah. Okay, I was gonna say the most I ever found I think was like five or six on one game. So and I think that was Turrican. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, how about one more fact before we get out of here today? The final Brian Brainbuster. The final of the Brian Brainbuster of today's episode. Games are often subject to cancellation, but Putty Squad was bind right at the very last minute. Bind as in, you know, made at the very last minute. It was so late, in fact, that the game was already finished and had been sent to magazines for review. Amiga Power. Funny. Funny name for a magazine, Nintendo Power, Amiga Power, had given it a 91% and CU Amiga had scored it a 94%. But the game mysteriously vanished and never released. It wasn't until 2013, a massive 19 years later, that developer of the original game, System 3, finally released it on PlayStation 3, PlayStation (laughs) Portable and iOS. That's funny. So the game that was delayed the absolute longest, a massive 19 years, originally started development on the Amiga. (laughs) 
Wow, so, turn around and talk like that. It's it's like a Final Fantasy VII remake. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you want to talk about anything else we got here today? Uh, that's just about it. But guys, I, I, one thing I do want to mention, and we've mentioned this every episode so far, please, please, please send us in requests. We have a yes. request episode coming in November. I need mm-hmm. to build a database of songs. Mm-hmm. For the love of God, send me everything. Yep. Portal 2. Uh, from any game you want. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. We and definitely... If, and, and, if you, and if you want to throw a little story behind it as well, even better. Yeah, yeah because obviously, we'll, we'll like I said, this, this is a thankful episode that is specifically about you. So, you know, we want as many listener submissions that we can get. And like 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 Frank was just saying, if you want to submit a, a personal story that goes with this song, we will gladly read it on the episode. Obviously, like I said, this is all about being thankful for the listeners, thankful for you, keeping us going each and every week and keeping us excited to do this show. So... Uh, that's why it's taking place this November on the 22nd for Thanksgiving. So plenty of time to submit tracks, but uh, we definitely want to have enough for that episode. Plus, you know, keep having one each uh, radio hour as well. So and eventually we'll start slotting some into these themed episodes if we ever get enough that or if we get some that makes sense. So, but yeah, definitely BG Mania at leveldowngames.com where you can submit those tracks to um, definitely do that more often. So we want to thank you, though, for sticking with us and listening to another episode of BG Mania made possible by leveldowngames.com. Regardless of where you're enjoying this content, be sure to share your support by leaving a review. And if you aren't already, subscribe to us on YouTube. You can also follow us over at twitch.tv slash leveldowngames for all the live streams and events and on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook if you want to follow us across social media. Check that description box below for the appropriate links. Next week, we're capping off our Legend of Zelda look, and we're going to be focusing solely on the Legend of Zelda Breath of of the wild. This is the first episode where we're going to be taking a look at one particular game where both Frank and I are going to be picking the tracks together. And it's not just me presenting them to Frank for each of these episodes like it has been in the past. So again, the way we're doing these is that we're compiling a list of 20 tracks each from the entire soundtrack of Breath of the Wild. And then we're going to compare any tracks that match and that, that like on both my list and Frank's list, 100% making it into the episode. Any tracks that don't match, like if I have, say, six tracks and Frank has, I guess you would have to have six as well, uh, regardless of how many tracks don't match up uh, for however many are left over. So that would have been uh, if there was if we only had six left over, that would mean there was 14 included. We're going to do 16. So I mean, I get to pick one from my six and you get to pick one from your six. And that would make the official list of 16 for next week's episode. So it's going to take a little bit more planning and a little bit more time to plan out these episodes. But I do think it's going to make it more fun, not only for me, because then I won't know every track that's going to be played, but for you, because you as in Frank, because you will have a deeper connection to some of these tracks being played. So I I think this will make the episodes better. So we're going to try that out next week and see how that goes. Taking us out of this episode once again, we have BG Mania. Oh, I'm sorry. BGM2, not BG Mania. BG, that was done on purpose, by the way. BGM2 from Shadow Fighter. Keep the music playing and keep it loud.